You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Who knew blue and red light were so important? And Alan Seiler. Hi. (laughs) It's like she's here. (laughs) Veronica couldn't join us this week, but we're going to soldier on without her somehow. Uh, Alan, do you have some news this week? Oh, no, nothing, (laughs) nothing really happened this week. It was a really slow week, except for that thing where Netflix announced that it had picked up Prodigy. Right. And we'll be showing the first season, which we've already seen, and the complete second season, which means we have 40 episodes of 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 Prodigy coming up, Mm -hmm. which is, I mean, the best possible news. Yeah, absolutely. And related, Kate Mulgrew and, you know, the, the show writers and, and, you know, they've all been like posting stuff about it. And Kate Mulgrew, there's a little graphic that has a quote from her that reads, I've always held that the Star Trek fan base is among the strongest and most intelligent in the world. They have shown their collective passion and we're happy to be able to celebrate Prodigy once again. But she put out that quote graphic in a tweet that reads a heartfelt thank you to our fans for their unwavering support and to Netflix for giving Star Trek Prodigy a new home. We have truly only just begun. So does that mean that she's expecting more than just the two seasons? I hope so. It's I hope so. I mean, uh, like you, like, Cobra Kai was on YouTube TV for two seasons before they cut it. And I think they cut it all their scripted stuff. And then Netflix picked it up and they're on like season five or six now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know that Netflix has had a very good uh, working relationship with the Hageman brothers where all the troll hunter shows and movies and things like that, that they've done. So yeah. Yeah. I, I would love for this to be the beginning, you know? Absolutely. Oh man, that'd be so great. Mm-hmm. So well, Netflix we- has been, um, Netflix has been killing a lot of animation and firing a lot of their animation department, but mm. I think for something like Star Trek that they're not getting rid of their animation department overall. And so I think that for something like Star Trek, they will, I think, give it the support, whatever support they can. Yeah. Uh, so I'm encouraged by that. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, we're getting 40 episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and- that's really exciting. And we've all seen season one and a lot of his own season one on physical media. Yeah. Stream it anyway. I mean, let's oh, yes, please do drive those numbers up and keep yeah. hashtagging and posting and make some noise, you know, give them yes. a reason to green light season three, four, five. Right. I, I would love to see where they go with prodigy. Agreed. Absolutely. Reward Netflix for, mm-hmm. for taking this step. Absolutely. Because, you know, as angry as we all were at Paramount, we should be equally excited and happy and thrilled with Netflix for stepping in and, you know, coming to the rescue. Absolutely. Yeah. And 
I hope it's a big hit. I hope it's like I said at the beginning of. I mean, I would love if they were so successful they greenlit more seasons and spinoffs of Prodigy mm-hmm. and let yeah. the Hagman brothers run with it and have their own little animated Star Trek universe. God, that'd yes. be incredible. Yeah. Okay, so in other news, we have well, I've got a couple of things. First, Sir Patrick Stewart tweeted. Quote, I have received the news last night that my memoir, Making It So, is both a New York Times bestseller and a Sunday Times bestseller in the UK. This is an unexpected honor in my life and how I wish I could share this with my loving mother, Gladys. To each and every one of you who has bought the book, thank you and enjoy. So, a New York Times bestselling author. Awesome. Isn't that great? Yeah, it is great. Yeah, and, and I say, I, I'm sorry, I say this every time we talk about Patrick Stewart because it's so funny. And Alan made a very good point. If every magazine and site online keeps posting excerpts from the book, I'll read the whole book before buying the book because <laughs> there's everything out there. But uh, one of the things I just continue to be fascinated by is by his very own words, Patrick Stewart was a very stereotypical Shakespearean stage British actor. I think everybody knows the stories of how one time he literally had a fit and yelled at all the TNG crew because they were joking around so much. And that man is not the man who would have written this book. And I just think mm. it's amazing how that one show, which he didn't want to do, he took the show because his agent said, look, it's a Star Trek show. And it's a new Star Trek. Nobody's going to watch a new Star Trek. You'll do it for a year, take some money and go back to Britain. That one show changed his life in just amazing ways, but changed his personality. We wouldn't have gotten this book were it not for Star Trek. And I think that's just amazing. Yeah. And one final item, and that is a couple of weeks, a week or so, maybe two weeks ago, we announced that Kid Cudi has a new Star Trek themed single that was coming out. It is now out. It's called Heaven's Galaxy. And it went live, I guess, yesterday and um, or maybe last night. I don't know. Um, what do you all think about it? Have you listened? How? I have not. Oh, well, never mind then. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure how I feel about it yet. I don't feel like, I mean, it's a six and a half minute song and it's wow, a couple of minutes before he actually sings words. Yeah. And I don't know, man. I just don't feel like it's got a clear cut verse chorus kind of structure. And I'm not sure really where the song goes. Yeah. I mean, you know, it just kind of exists for six and a half minutes. It's better than very short tracks. Well, okay. I mean, if that's our new standard. Then, yeah, <laughs> that's our new low bar. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, to me, it sounds like the ambiance things people play when they go to sleep. You know, which yeah, it's not really my kind of music. But it's not, it's not for me. So, I mean, ultimately, who cares what I think? Because they're not, they didn't bring in Kid Cudi to hype up the over forty Star Trek fans. You know, I think they're they're trying to reach across and get Kid Cudi fans to take a look at Star Trek. And I hope it works. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, absolutely. It, he's, it, it, I will say it sounds weird and spacey. Yes, it and does. I, this is the kind of music I, I, I would like for the people in the 24th and 25th century to be listening to and not like, you know, the people in the 25th century listen to the Pink Floyd on vinyl. You know, I like Jeez. to listen <laughs> to the Beastie weird Boys. music. Right. Or yeah. Like, so, Boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I couldn't pull a lot out of the lyrics. It's a lot of stuff like, you know, warp into overdrive and I'm gonna keep fighting and <laughs> that sort of thing. And uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that sounds so funny. I got to listen to this now. You should. Oh, <laughs> okay. So Matt Sweatman says, 
It's so weird, Alan giving good news in this segment. <laughs> hey, man, when good news happens, I'm I'm there to report it. Absolutely. And I certainly would rather do that than bad news. Yeah. And is this Veronica? Whoop, spoilers. Whoop, spoilers. Surely I, that's not because it's too early in the show for that. Well, that would be on point for her, but I don't it know. It would. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. And Matt Sweatman also says... Pink Floyd and Beastie Boys forever. Okay. Yay to the first and eh, to the second. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for the news. All right. Keith, we have some this week in Trek this week. Yeah, just a couple of um, first and iconic shows that I thought were worth mentioning. These are some shows that are relatively famous for a whole bunch of reasons, considered some of the best or worst of the franchise. Uh, on the 9th of October, back in 1995, we got what is arguably the best or one of the best of the DS Space Nine episodes. That's the episode, The Visitor. And mm-hmm. I know, Charles, you're intimately familiar with that episode. I love The Visitor. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't remember, that's the one where Ben Sisko gets stuck in a really interesting time loop where he goes into an alternate world, a realm, pops into our reality for just a few minutes. And every time he comes back, Jake is older because he's coming back. Really, really, really good episode. Uh, Tony Todd showing again that that man can do no wrong when it comes to acting. Like if I could tell, Jake. I have a quick story about the visitor that involves the visitor. If I could, I don't know if I've told it on the podcast before or not. When I was oh. 16, my girlfriend at the time bought me the novelization of the visitor and mm-hmm. as you know, your 16-year-old girlfriend does, wrote like a little loving note in the front for me. Uh-huh. And I had that for a long time. And then I got to, when I was 18, I've said this before on the podcast, I know, I, I basically just dumped all my Star Trek books and comics and stuff at a used bookstore. Oh. And because I was too old and cool for Star Trek at that point, right? Oh. Well, years later, I was back at that bookstore and I found that same book with the note from my girlfriend that was still in it and so i bought wow. it again so that i still have that it's out in the garage somewhere but um that is wow. amazing very strange <laughs> if only you, you had a, that's amazing Sorry, you weren't I'm like there. i'm the one that sold this to you can i just have it back <laughs> right i donated it for a matter of fact i paid to get it oh back. yeah yeah no B- you, benny russell's writing it out there somewhere you know <laughs> <laughs> can you can you imagine if you had a story like that about something like amazing fantasy number 15 or you put it in the yep. bookstore, and 20 years later, you went back and took it back and right. sold it for like two million bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Another first on the 10th of October, 1966, the outline was submitted for the episode for the original series that would become known as Arena. Oh. And I'm not even going to go down this road, but the first appearance of the Gorn, <laughs> the first contact of the Federation with the Gorn, I'm just going to leave it right there. Uh, really good episode. And, and one of the seminal. Star Trek at its best. Action, science fiction, cool aliens, and a lesson at the end about humans learning to rise above. I always love that episode when the Metron tells Kirk at the end that basically you're still half savage. You know, come back in a couple thousand years, so maybe you guys, right. maybe we can talk. Just love yeah. that episode. On Also on the 10th of October, exactly 20 years later, Paramount held a press conference and announced the official... Green light for Star Trek, the next generation. Nice. And, wow. Yeah. And the world lost this mind. I was there, not at the conference, but I remember this very clearly. And I will tell you, this is one of the things people talk about now. The number of people who said this thing would never work was high. Very, <laughs> very high. Because at that time, 
people were so locked into the original series. I remember even Walter Koenig said it couldn't work. Yeah, there were just people who thought you can't do it if it's not Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Uhura, Scotty, Sulu. Yeah. And thank goodness it worked. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, in addition to that, people just made fun of it before yeah. an episode ever aired. They were like, yes. you have a Klingon on bridge. That's stupid. You have a right. blind guy flying the ship. Yes. I mean, it was just everything was mm-hmm. ridiculed. And That's there was a whole true. like rush of such and such new whatever new monkeys, you know the the new yeah. flying nun, all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, most of those came and went very quickly. And it's amazing that Star Trek made it. I mean, because f- for one, it wasn't that great of a show at first. You know, it took a little yes. time, but they um, luckily they 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 supported it, and so it had time to find itself and continue on to the success we have now. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the things that was upheld as, you know, being showing the the new model of um, independent productions instead of everything being owned and operated by a network that they gave it that chance to find itself. And it, you know, sold itself into whatever market wanted to pick it up. It wasn't like it had to fight for network time slot and network Mm -hmm. ratings. It could do anything. And I remember you know, uh, I guess it was toward the end of, uh, no, it was the beginning of DS nine, our local CBS channel carried it and they preempted, they had like a, I guess it was like a, the news slot or something where it was mm-hmm. kind of like a big, like it was a network thing. Mm-hmm. It was the flash. That's what it was. They showed it in the Flash's time slot, in the network time slot. And then they showed uh, Flash like way later, in, you know, after the news. Wow. That's what it was. So they preempted a, a CBS show. Isn't that great? That's awesome. That right? is great. And to follow what Alan is saying, I think, which is a very good point, is the before that, of course, Star Trek was broadcast on uh, Antenna. And you can mm-hmm. find it anywhere. I know every time I went somewhere for a business trip or something, one of the first things I did was find a, a, a channel showing Star Trek. Right. But uh, to, to, to follow up what Alan's saying is there was a lot of concern about getting that show broadcast. And Gene Roddenberry was the one who said, let, let me syndicate it. And he cut, yeah. he cut deals. And it was an amazing deal, series of deals that Gene Roddenberry cut to get Star Trek The Next Generation shown in syndication mm-hmm. like that. It was, it was, it was kind of record. And it succeeded well past the expectations of the people behind the show yep. in syndication like that. So another just amazing thing that he did. Yeah, first run syndication because shows became big for a while there. Yeah, they mm-hmm. did. Nineties. Yeah. All right. All right. And that's this weekend Trek history. Cool. Awesome. Well, we're going to talk today about our our favorite AIs in Star <laughs> Trek, and that could be <laughs> androids, it could be robots, it could be holograms. Uh, our favorite, specifically uh, nefarious or antagonistic AIs. And uh, we did a little poll on our Facebook group. But, I mean, first, before we get into the poll results, I mean, do you guys have any favorites that jump out at you? Um, you know, for some crazy reason, I don't know why I wasn't even thinking about it, but um, it's an episode that's near and dear to me for a lot of reasons, but M5 steps okay. out for me because it's, right. it's all about it's about human hubris on top of everything else yeah uh, that that one always sticks out for me for a whole lot of reasons and, and i think that's for me also good growing up as i did in the 60s and the 70s m5 is 
kind of uh, like there's a there's a famous movie called Colossus the Forbin Project. Mm. So it's really about the computer that goes mad and takes over. That one always sticks out for me. What's you, Alan? Um it's it's a subject that I really enjoy, uh, particularly holograph uh, <laughs> holodeck characters. Um and not necessarily nefarious ones, but I love I love um Barclays um holodeck addiction i love that he built his own worlds around his insecurities you know and i yeah. love moriarty <laughs> moriarty man that's that was the dude because he was built by data to be somebody who could challenge data so he had to know everything data knows and be as fast as data is and you know when you build an adversary to match yourself. That's a fascinating concept. Mm -hmm. And I always, up until Picard season three, I always loved Moriarty. And I only say that because I felt that was the only misstep in uh, Picard season three. Yeah. It was just like they, you know, pimped him hard in the previews. And then he was like nothing in the show, but you know. it was, it wasn't even the Moriarty. It was just right. like a recreation of Moriarty. Right. Um, yeah. And the other thing I'll follow up on that, what Alan said was too, was I forget his name, but the actor, he, he went on, became famous on being on the nanny, but the actor, if ever there was anybody I would have cast as Moriarty in an actual Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes series or movie, that actor nailed it. Mm. Playing Moriarty on that show, oh, yeah. he was so good. He was the very every bit the equal of Patrick Stewart in that episode. Mm -hmm. Such yeah. a great actor. Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, on our, our poll, mm -hmm. our number one and number yeah. two yeah. are M five and Moriarty. Right? You're um, kidding? No. no. So wow, you, you guys got your fingers on the pulse. Hey, man. <laughs> Either well, that, or we looked at the poll, <laughs> <laughs> and which I have been a lot. And you know it's interesting because they represent kind of the three pole the three poles of AI. There's AI, mm -hmm. the computer, AI, the hologram, and AI maybe the robot slash android. And so that right. makes sense. Yeah. Mm. There you go. Yeah, the and the Moriarty thing is um, I mean, it's kind of like the old thing, like, could God create a rock that God couldn't lift? <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? If God's yes. all powerful, can he lift can you know? But I mean, it's the same kind of thing with the hologram. Like, can the holodeck create a, an adversary that the holodeck can't beat? You know, mm -hmm. um, it's, I think, I mean, it's, it's interesting as a, just like a thought exercise. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you've got M5, which is, I mean, really it's just, you know, human fail, fail frailty being yeah. passed on, you know, like the, the limitations of the creator being passed on to the creation. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I think is why the M5 story resonates to this day, I think, because it's, yeah. you know, it's William Marshall's portrayal of his, um, you know, his heart, his heartache is, you know, losing it. His, you know, a, a guy who peaked when he was like 20 years old and has been trying to live up to himself ever since. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just a heartbreaking story. Yeah. It it's really a, is. such a classic. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it absolutely is. Matt reminds us that Moriarty was played by Daniel Davis. That's the name. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ready for number three on our poll? Heck yeah, man. Lore. Not surprising. Not surprising yeah, at all. There you go. <laughs> nope. That's the third. Yeah, there you go. The robot slash Android. Yep. And I mean, I think he works so well. I mean, obviously he works because he's played by Brent Spiner. Mm -hmm. But I mean, there's a, a long history of evil twins in Star Trek. But I would, I mean, I would say Lore is probably the most successful evil twin Star Trek has done. Yeah. Agreed. 
You know, I agree because I'll, be, I'll admit when I first saw Lore, and he was first season, which isn't the best season, I wasn't impressed with Lore because he was so kind of cliche, the evil twin. He even mm-hmm. always had, and we, we want to talk about maniacal laughs, he even always had almost like a little maniacal laugh going on. But I think he's elevated by Brent Spiner, um, mm. Brent Spiner as an actor. Right. Mm-hmm. Because as you say, the evil twin is, you know, it's it's an incredible trope in science fiction. But he elevates it a little bit beyond just the cackling. Because, you know, one of the things which I think we'll get to later, Lower Decks has done so well, is it's amazing. Every time somebody creates an AI, so many times the AI just literally wakes up and goes, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to kill everybody. And sometimes like, what the hell? You know, why? Right. I don't know, that's just what AIs do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, Matt, I, Matt Swetman celebrates the fact that Lore has a new life in internet memes. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on to number three, as one which is one of my favorites, which is Landrew. Yes. Oh, yes. That is just a, a crazy episode. <laughs> it really mm-hmm. is. I love it, though. Yeah. Return of the Archons is a lot of fun. And it is. I mean, Landrew goes back to like the like a like a jesus thing like you know yeah. we've got these ancient texts essentially and they've been you know misremembered and misinterpreted all these years like mm-hmm. landrew is not the there was originally a man named landrew who lived right. all these mm-hmm. years ago but it's a corruption that's been existing all these years you know yeah. it's like a it's like a, a satirization um of of just like religion or really any long held belief that's been passed on and passed on and passed on Right. And, and also Landrew, um, to what you're saying, Charles, Landrew is, and again, that was a very common thing with sci-fi, especially back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. He's the computer that thinks human emotion needs to be controlled. So he has he's created this really, really weird world where people are incredibly blissed out, like they've been taking some drugs all the time. And then every right. now and then he literally lets them go. And I guess nowadays something close to now chat would be the Purge movies. He lets them go. Mm. And I mean, they do everything that night. And then the next day, they're back to calm again. And I like at one point, Spock even says, this is a computer's idea of a society. This is probably not what Landrew meant when he programmed that yeah. computer right. 5,000 years before that, because it's a really weird world. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that they brought Landrew back for a little bit in Lower Decks. Yes. <laughs> the do not yeah. obey sign on him. <laughs> <laughs> You're, okay. What you're saying about the parallel between that and the Purge movies is mm-hmm. right on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's so interesting to watch that episode. And you kind of watch that that clock countdown and then yeah. it strikes and then everything changes. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really a fascinating thing to witness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One other real, real quick thing about Landrew and M5 is they were also became the subjects of the famous meme that Captain Kirk can talk any computer and basically blowing up right just get logic get logicking it to death yeah He'll basically say you know one equals zero and the computer goes oh my god ah but blows that up. was that was a trope at that time also yes yeah. I mean every show did that where yes. and it shows that no matter how powerful a computer is it's still the human mind that has dominance over it mm-hmm. it is still subject to the human mind and i mean literally doctor who did it a couple of times and i know really? 
every, oh yeah, every other okay. show did it too. It was that mm -hmm. whole, like, you know, with the rise of computers, you know, where people had that fear of computers being too powerful and all that stuff. You had to do that story where they may be powerful, but they are still susceptible to what we can do to outthink them. Mm. Yeah. There will never be a computer better than the computer in our own head. <laughs> and when, and when well, there is, we're in trouble. I, it depends on better, better at what. <laughs> because, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The computers are better at some things. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Now I misspoke a minute ago. We actually had a tie. Yeah, we do have for third place. Um, or was it fourth place? I lost track, but, um, Landrew tied with peanut hamper, peanut hamper of all things, of all characters yeah, for, for Landrew to tie with. Yeah. Peanut hamper has really struck a chord with our audiences. I, I really liked that episode where that, that maybe they did a peanut hamper episode, a whole where, episode. Yes. Yeah. Um, where, you know, she fell in love sort of and had a little <laughs> life on this planet with Birdman. Uh, I love that episode. I do too. And we, you know, we get a little bit of peanut hamper in tonight's episode. Mm -hmm. Spoilers yep. for anybody yep. who hasn't seen it. That's right. <laughs> You're running out of time. You better hurry. We're going to be talking. I know, about right? He <laughs> <laughs> don't have any exocomp, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I always but, thought that was funny because the, the the TNG episode where she was premiered, it was funny because I remember I was thinking and people wrote, the lady was so concerned about getting that that um, that mine thing going, you know, that mining thing that would take minerals from the planet and transport it to the station. She literally created sentient beings. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, whatever. I'm still trying to get this drill to work. <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> right. All right. I, I think it's really interesting that, you know, how this character has developed and the different mm -hmm. permutations that her personality has gone through. I think it's really been interesting and they've done a lot with her. Yeah. Right. And we'll, and we'll talk more about that. When we yeah, absolutely. But I mean, tonight's episode will only be her third episode. I, and it seems like more. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, they, they cover a lot of ground in these episodes. They really do. All right. For next place, we actually have a four-way tie. Four-way. Yep. Um, do we give them to you one by one or list off all four? Now let's do one by one. Okay. So we'll go with Vol. Vol. I like Vol. The <laughs> apple. Another yep. one where you can't figure out what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Vol's got less personality than yeah. some yeah. of these others, but a very iconic look. Mm -hmm. Like they even had that um Oh, now I forget. It was like Sigma Ocean, not Sigma Ocean, but they had a, a, a play set. Remember uh, that old Mego play set that was yeah. like inspired by Vol? It wasn't quite Vol, but oh, it was yes. really inspired by that. The, the serpent head on the planet. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, it's just a very memorable image. And I mean, I like the apple anyway, but I mean, I really, I really enjoy Vol and the, the people of Vol. It's a, it's a cheesy episode, but I don't mind. Yeah, yeah it is definitely that. It is. And one thing about Vol 2, it sparked a great deal of discussion. We were just talking about Landrew is who programmed Vol and was that their original programming? Why would you program Vol to keep a really small group of people immortal and celibate for all time? What happened? What's that all about? Um, I don't know. I don't know if any books or anything ever revisited Vol or did a prequel. But that's a really odd path that that computer set the people on. It's yeah. also a great prime and directive episode mm -hmm. in terms of what Kirk did. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I would imagine that it's the same sort of thing as Landrew where it got corrupted over the years. Yeah. Like, surely someone didn't say, hey, find 12 people, 
<laughs> and give them a really nice planet and yeah. no sex. <laughs> Those are my only rules. Okay. Yeah. Matt, Matt has a question for you, Keith. Okay, Matt. Have you have you ever met Southern Baptists? <laughs> oh, dude, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know you have. Okay, good point, Matt. <laughs> he wow. he also says that in in today's world, Kirk would have just keep entering commands while the computer was thinking in order to confuse and destroy it. Yeah. Just give me a denial of service attack. Yeah. All right. Well, next in our four way tie, we've got V'ger. V'ger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I That's like V'ger also. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, I mean, I, I just, I really, I mean, it's, they did a sort of similar thing with Nomad. But I mean, just on a, a huge scale for Star Trek and in 1979, right? And and yes, I mean, it's they sort of parodied it later when it was like, what was it, the Kitty Hawk or something in the holodeck program? Yes, that, yes. um, <laughs> the yeah, Vic V'ger has got all power but can't wipe that smudge off to read the nameplate. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I like the, the V'ger story of returning to find the creator, and like V'ger is like a super smart child and yes, just right. wants to understand, and I think it's a it's a good examination of you know of humanity and like spock says in that episode everyone turns at some point to someone and says is this, is this all i am is there nothing more and you know i i like that, that the whole thing with v'ger having to to take that human leap of logic um or of emotion to be able to you know leave our gal leave our universe evolve to a higher plane of existence or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's so roddenberry Yes, absolutely. I, I feel it like is. it is like the distillation of everything that Roddenberry wanted mm-hmm. from Star Trek. Yeah, agree. And it's big, also... spacey ideas and a sexy lady. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also there you true. Go. To, it's also true to sci-fi at that time, thoughtful sci-fi, because mm-hmm. that's very similar to what the plot of two thousand and one and two thousand and ten mm-hmm. are. Right. Also, when I think of V'ger, I always think, uh, and I should know this, I can't believe, I can't remember this, with the famous painting in Italy, and I, I, I got, I can't, is it Michelangelo or Da Vinci, the one with the human finger, the human right. hand is trying to touch God, yeah, that one, oh, yeah. it always reminds me of that, and the, the thing about V'ger is it spawned endless debates for the last few decades about when they say, what race was it that upgraded V'ger, some people wonder, was it the Borg? Was it a race that also created the board? Blah, blah, blah. Nobody really knows. I don't know if I ever want that mystery solved. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Matt Sweatman says that as he gets older, he loves the motion picture more and more. Yeah. All Good right. Point. I agree with that. Let's get those last two because we're running out of time. All right. We got Badgy. Wow. Badgy. <laughs> we'll have time to talk about Badgy here. We will. So yeah. Let's skip to the, uh, the fourth of our four-way tie, which is Dr. Chaotica. Right. Which was not on the original list. I forgot Chaotica. I know, right? I'm, I'm glad you came through First that. person I thought of. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, he's just the best. Mm-hmm. He's now, so camp. He's so over the top. Oh my God. Now, did uh, Chaotica ever like become self-aware or anything? Or was Chaotica just following his program? He was just Chaotica the whole time. He was just a, he was just a, basically a novel character. Right. He was never... <laughs> He was never sentient, but, you know, he could still be considered AI because um, and we'll get oh, yeah. to that. But in the episode Lower Decks, you notice they actually had a specific sign that said self-aware AI yeah. as mm. opposed to just bad AI that's not necessarily self-aware. So I think Chaotica actually works in that way. <laughs> Excellent. That's Thank another you for wing. defending my choice, Keith. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't <laughs> you criticizing your choice. No, I know. I'm, I'm teasing. Yeah. Totally teasing. 
Another thing about that actor is I, I was just listening to an episode of the Delta Flyers uh, with mm. Garrett Wong and Robert Duncan McNeil, and they covered that episode. And I'm sure you guys know they've been trying to bring back Captain Proton in some form. Right. And that actor who I think passed, who played Dr. Chaotica, yet another really serious, good British actor who, when they brought him on the set, they said, look, just ham it up. And they like, he really threw himself into it. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh my, he's really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Calico was great. Yeah, right, well, absolutely. Thank you everyone who participated in the poll. Um, and if you're listening to this and you're like, where are these polls at? Like, go to the Earth Station Trek Facebook group. We do polls periodically, but we have a lot of discussions and things we share and that sort of thing. And join our Facebook group because we'd love to have you. Just super, super quick. Can we just mm -hmm. do a rundown of all the other ones that got a vote? Okay. We have the evil AMH, sorry, evil EMH mm -hmm. from Voyager. We have Control from Discovery, mm, the yeah. Texas class, which I was surprised at. Agimus, I mean, sorry, Agamus. Mm -hmm. And I point that out because of tonight's episode. Ruck and Dreadnought. Oh, those, Ruck from, I love um, Ruck. what are little girls made of? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the old one. Yes, <laughs> I that, love Ruck. That, that belongs. Those yes. are those are great. Oh yeah, those totally, totally. All right. Well, if you're listening to the audio podcast, we'll take, a quick, we'll take a quick break right here and put a fellow ESO Network podcast show. But don't go away because when we come back, we'll be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks, a few badgies more. So stay right there. I'm Gina Shock from the Go-Go's, fabulous drummer of the Go-Go's. Hi, this is Tony Levin of King Crimson. Hi, this is David Fisher for the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Hi, this is Richard Evans. I am the author of Listening to the Music the Machines Make. Hi, this is Teresa Kariakis, punk rock photographer. Hi, I'm Tom Bojour, author of Nothing But a Good Time, and you are listening to Modern Musicology. Modern Musicology. Modern Musicology. You're listening to Modern Musicology. So, you know, pay attention. You might learn something. And Veronica's not here to give us a cute little spoiler warning, so I'll just say spoilers for a few a few badgies more from Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, because we're going to spoil this, and we're going to get into it. Uh, right what on. did you guys think? Well, it's Lower Decks, so mm -hmm. I loved it. Right. We got three, three returning adversaries, all of whom fit the AI category, and... Mm -hmm. I loved seeing all three of them back and in the same episode. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Keith. Um, I think one of you guys said this the other, the other week, I am stunned that this was an episode of a cartoon that's under 30 minutes and took me on such a journey, mm -hmm. made me laugh, made me wonder about the mystery, gave me drama, gave you satire yeah. callbacks, humor, a phenomenal episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I am amazed at what they do. Yeah, and I, I love that because Lower Decks has always been known for the references, the canon stuff yeah. they put in. But I love that they've gotten to a point now where they can just fill an episode with Lower Decks canon and yes. Lower Decks references. Yes, yes. Everything mm -hmm. from those trader guys with the, the scavenger dudes, you know, to mm -hmm. the koala in the end and the Black Mountain. And I mean, this thing was just packed with really the, the references only, to Lower Decks. Yeah, the only thing that really that I can think of that came from a property other than Lower Decks is the Binars. Right. I mean, everything else well. was populated from previous lower decks characters or situations mm -hmm. or whatever, and I, I I love that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of the binars, I wrote down, I love the fact that they did not translate what the binars were saying. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you, knew, you knew that they were the next victims of that weapon because mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. scene played out exactly the way the other scenes that, you know, in the previous episodes did. Even if you didn't have the dialogue, you knew what was yeah. happening. And I thought that was absolutely brilliant. And how fitting is it that it's the binars in this episode with all the AI stuff going on? Yeah. I didn't even like, think about that. Isn't that smart? Charles, yeah. you are so brilliant. <laughs> I didn't write so. it. No, but thinking of the connection, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, I just thought that was great. And yes. I love the, the binars little ship. I love that. I'd love to see him again. We haven't seen binars on screen. Not. I mean, we saw a picture of one once, but other than that, yeah. we haven't seen them. What, 87? We, yeah, like we haven't seen proper binars in ages. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that, notice that all their duty stations had two people sitting at them. On the <laughs> Absolutely. <right>. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a, a race that I really would love to see developed because yeah. it's a fascinating concept. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I would really love to see more uh, from them. Elaine just chimes in with, my only issue was the binar speech. Uh-oh. And that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I do like it that it wasn't translated, but the noise of it was almost like nails on a chalkboard for my ears. Yeah. Oh, I can understand I that. that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed this episode. There was uh, some of the humor in this episode fell flat for me and particularly the little, um, the, the prison they were in, um, they were doing the, the little visual gags of like, this computer has a dumbbell on top of it. And these are sitting there in the middle of a basketball court. <laughs> for me, that's just silly for the sake of being silly. You know, hmm. that doesn't have any sort of logical, why are they all, they're all sat around in folding chairs because they're in prison. <laughs> uh, that doesn't what? work for me. This may stun you, Charles. I thought that was hilarious. It well, made me laugh. Different things for different people. It is I, yeah, because it was ridiculous. There was a, there was literally a desktop computer with a, a dumbbell over on top of it, right. and it's ridiculous. And I just couldn't stop laughing. It was so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved the 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 counseling scene, you know, where they're mm-hmm. all sat around in a circle and they're all talking about their emotional progress. I love that. <laughs> I thought the word so Tyrannicillus. Yes. <laughs> The best name ever. If I were starting a death metal band, that's what I would call it. <laughs> I love it when he, speaking of him, when he said, I have conquered self-doubt and sees personal growth. And then he gives one of those stupid, maniacal, evil laughs that they, <laughs> right. they were just so good. Yeah. Elaine says, group therapy for computers. That was funny. And was. Matt makes a great point saying, this was an episode where the heroes didn't exactly save the day. They just got lucky that everything worked out. And mm-hmm. that is true. It was sort of Badgie's own evolution of thought that changed the, the course of the episode. It wasn't necessarily. Now, you could say that Rutherford's actions earlier in the episode set in motion. That's what I was going to say. I figured you would. <laughs> I'm sorry I beat you to it. No, go ahead. But but the actual resolution came from Badgie. Yeah. Whatever the impetus was for that, it came right. from him. True. So, yeah. And, you know, I felt like this was so interesting. I felt like Mariner was downplayed in this episode. Mm-hmm. It Which felt like it, it rested so much more on the other three. Right. You know, the other thing early in the episode when um, they're being sent on their mission and the captain calls the crew into the briefing room, it's just the four of them. They're, yeah. they're Lieutenant JGs. They're not 
you know, the ranking officers. I loved that it was just the four of them that was being mm-hmm. handpicked for these missions. Yeah. It's it's funny you said that because I actually wrote that same note. They've gone from being the stereotype of lower decks with the up the the officer the bridge officers barely recognize them to they talk to them. They're sending yeah. them on missions. They've truly grown, which yeah. is great. Just great. Well, in mm. season uh, one, like they were excited to go in there and clean the chairs before the yes. briefing. Yes. 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 Oh man. And now they're they're trusting. And also, Charles, I want to mention I wrote down a note. Charles said it. Um, so that mystery ship is not killing the people. It's abduct or it's abducting. Well, I guess it's abducting them. Yeah. And there was one point I asked that question, were they killing him? And it looks like they're not. Yeah. And, and we, I thought maybe they're blowing up the ship and beaming them out, but no, look, they're just mm-hmm. taking off of the whole ship and faking the destructions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is weird. That's interesting, mm-hmm. you know, because we've seen debris fields and we've yeah. seen them analyze debris fields. So it's, it's good fakery. Yeah, it's like um, I mean, it made me think of the movie Millennium. You remember Millennium when they were going back in time and saving everybody off of the planes before they crashed, and then putting f- dig dead people there. No one, no one remembers that. Anyways, people from I, the future um, were doing that. I've never seen it, but I've read, I've read okay. the original story, so I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I guess they're just showing up with like they they bring like a destroyed version of the ship with them <laughs> to toss out. You know, yeah. where do they get that? I don't know. You know. Yeah, must be good looks like that. <clears throat> and also, what does that Ferengi from last week have to do with all this? Right. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. We may right. find out if he's still alive. Yeah. Matt has this to say. It feel it still feels like Rutherford is crushing on Tindy after all the denials last episode. Of course. I mean, the more you deny it, the more there's actually something un- an undercurrent of it. Mm. I still yeah. read him as just really sweet platonic friends but i i do too because that's what i want them to remain right i don't want to play those romance games right i did i did like in this one that they paired up uh, boimler and tendy and mariner and rutherford agreed i always like it when they pair them up in different sets in Mm -hmm. and in the unexpected sets right yeah. I also like to 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 follow up what alan was saying earlier i like that boimler was not neurotic and freaking out he kind of had a oh yeah evil AI I got evil AI I got this guy's game he's a jerk yeah. we're gonna use him I love he was right. competent in this yes. he knew what yeah. he was doing because the AIs were just so funny and they even had the they even had the little thing the Daystrom M two it was the mega megalomaniacal AI penitentiary which I thought <laughs> was just so funny but again that just shows the character growth that we've seen since yeah. season one yeah. yeah the way that these characters have evolved is not typical for an animated show sure yeah it's so well done mm-hmm. oh my god and i love that little moment when tendy was like i can free us from these and he was like no 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 let's wait like, yeah. okay i'll play in the stand yeah. <laughs> right that yeah. was great he's so oh yeah. gosh i love that too and i like early when badgie was taking over the people and badgie told the truth and badgie said i never killed anyone which is true didn't mean he was wasn't about to try, so I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah. Well, what did you think of Goodgy? <laughs> I really liked the idea of the splinter personalities. Yeah. Yes. And um, yeah, so we had we have Badgie, now we have Goodgy, mm-hmm. we have Logicy, mm-hmm. and we have <laughs> the other one. I think that was all of them. Was Wasn't there, one there more? a fourth one? 
think no, so. there was just Badgy, but Badgy turned pure evil when Logic Key came out of him. Yeah, Badgy just got more and more. No, evil. I know that, but I thought there was a fourth Splinter. Mm-hmm. No, but there was the the ascended form. The ascended of, of the Badgy, koala Badgy. form. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I would another call back to lower decks because he ascended in very much the same way as that dude in season one did. That's exactly right. All the extra arms and the similar effects and everything. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a cool sequence because it was like he's getting more and more evil and then you see him rising up out of the galaxy and he's like, I can see everything. And they're just like, wait a minute. (laughs) Why am I doing this? (laughs) I thought that was a really fun sequence. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, You know, I think that until discovery starts next year i just need to rewatch all of lower decks yeah i mean just start at the beginning and do it all again yeah god it's such a good show and such a rewarding show Mm -hmm. um matt says now was the enslavement of the planet part of boimler's plan Mm, surely not no, I think, but he he made a comment I wrote down. He said, it's not like uh, we can't reverse this in an hour. Right. So right. I, he was still playing along. Yes, he exactly. He could take care of it. And Elaine loved Logicky and is sad that Logicky died. Well, Logicky would find that illogical. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was interesting when you talked about Goodjiki, and I kept looking at, the, I literally kept looking at their expressions, and Goodjiki kept having Goodie. a st- Goodie kept having this stupid grin on his face, way yeah. out of proportion to what was going on. Sometimes he'd look alarmed, but the very next second he just had this real stupid grin on his face <laughs> because that's what he was. Even at the end, when the when the alien said that they claimed him for right of salvage, he had this stupid smile on his face. Well, because and that's, that's who he is, and that goes all the way back to um, Spaceballs. Dark Helmet says, "Evil will win because good is stupid." Yeah, (laughs) and logically, logically had that that kind of expressionless expression, Mm -hmm. which was was pretty good. Yeah, and silver, gold, and bronze. Right. Yeah, that's and then blue for the ascent. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, there wasn't a a large death count on that during the the taking over of that planet. I hope hope they went down peacefully. (laughs) Yeah, true. I think so. It was hilarious because I even looked and they even had the banners hanging with their pictures on it. Or he did because uh, she had abandoned him. I thought that was just really funny. And and the gag about the blue light, red light was funny to me. Yeah. Yep. So we got Badgie and we got Peanut Hamper and we got Agamus. All in the same episode, right? I would like to have seen them a little bit more as a unit Mm. of evil, you know, like an axis of evil. Uh, Forgive me for saying that. But, you know, as it was, they were all sort of three separate entities. And I would love to see a team up of those three. And I feel like if they do it now, then it, it wouldn't work. It would just be like, you know, we've already had the three of them in an episode together. Right. But but that would have been fun. Mm-hmm. And it was great to have Jeffrey Combs back on the show again. Oh, always. Yes. Always. He was so good. He always is. He's so he great. Was, yeah, 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 his voice was perfect for this, especially mm-hmm. when he was. And I and I wasn't sure where they were going when they first went to the planet. And he'd taken over and they said he'd taken over. And he said it was easy once the coastal cities fell. And he was <laughs> depressed. <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> he was depressed. He just took over the world. But he didn't have his, well, basically, he wants to be his girlfriend with them. And it was hilarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, sp- I mean, speaking of Pe- Peanut Hamper, we mentioned her earlier. Because mm-hmm. she's been on, in the three episodes she's appeared in, she's been on quite a journey. 
on this yeah. show. Yeah. And there's three 22 minute episodes. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, which is, I mean, it's impressive. And then this one, she's sharing the spotlight with Agamus and Badgie. So it's not even like a peanut hamper episode. Yeah. Um. So what, what do we think about how, how peanut hamper, I mean, her redemption and going back home to the planet the exocomps came from? I mean, uh, we'll have to see if it sticks. Yeah. True. If it, if it's if it's true, then they've lost an adversary. Mm-hmm. You know, which it can be good. I mean, they may use her in very very different ways next time we see her. That's true. Yeah, I think that might just be all she wants to do is kind of hang out with her dad and and work on task. Um, the, I think that's an interesting growth path. And yeah. Of course, Agamus, we don't know. <laughs> I love when they put him back in the jail and the other guys say, yeah, look who's back. Uh, that was just great. <laughs> right. The escape artist. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of it, Charles? Yeah, I liked it. I, I like the the arc that she's gone on. Yeah, um, me too. And I'm impressed by just the ground they can cover in such such few minutes. I mean, yes. real economy of storytelling. Um, Wayne has joined the show. Wayne. And he says, I thought that the ascended badgies change of attitude was rather clever for a resolution. I agree. I agree. I uh-huh. really do. I, lo- I enjoyed that a lot. And yeah. Matt says that I think peanut ham- peanut hamper is playing a long con. Oh no. Say it ain't so. <laughs> right. That could be. That's I mean, well could be. <laughs> she's sneaky. Yeah. I think to, to follow up on what Wayne said, I think that badgie ascending and realizing the futility of evil, if that's not a Star Trek message, I don't know what is. Oh, yeah. Because, bad, you know, Badgie saw everything, time and space and energy. And I just lost, I lost it and just laughed when that Badgie came up out of the galaxy, that giant galaxy-sized <laughs> yes. Badgie. And then yes. he's like, uh, ha, ha, boy, why am I doing this? Because now he's he blessed out. He's one with everything. If that's right. not a Star Trek message, I just yeah. loved it. And it's a nice callback to V'ger, uh ascending. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so, do you think that the next time we see an aspect of that character, it'll only be Gucci? Because where do you go with Badgie after this? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I think you could always you could bring Badgie back as an ascended form in some way, as like the wise, like make him like glowing white or something. You know, like a mm-hmm. godlike Badgie could appear later on in the show in some capacity. Yeah. I would hate for them to go. Like turn the clock back on Badgie. I, I exactly don't don't go back to evil Badgie. Right. It'd be more right. like you know, like if you had a death scene and it was Badgie instead of Q. You know, like in the in the white robes in the white room. Um, yeah. I could see something like that happening. Yeah. Well, totally. he did say he might go hang out with the Q continuum. Mm-hmm. That's true. As one of his other potential things. Yeah. That could be very interesting. Visit the Black Mountain, <laughs> <laughs> which is where Shax went when he died. That's right. Yes. Yes. Now, I did think the whole time they were fighting with Badgie on the ship, I kept thinking, like, well, disable the hollow emitters. Figure out a way to disable the hollow emitters. Yeah. And you got him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's true. But, yeah. Um, and I was surprised that Agamus still has access to his drones. I know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and is. is in communication with drones that are flying around in space someplace. Yes. I thought like you think it would be like a Wi-Fi blocker on that place. <laughs> You know, you know exactly. all these computers having like wireless access out of here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh God. Matt Sweatman says, "I love the joke where Gucci was updating and had an evil look on his face, <laughs> thinking he was turning into Badgie." 
I love when Mariner was like, ah, you kept that thing. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there was very little of, of Mariner in this episode, but everything she did stood out to me. Like, I just loved everything that she did. Well, week. she was there a lot. She just wasn't right. being the, the person a lot. Like, she wasn't like the, the front and center all the time. She's exactly. standing behind Rutherford and making comments and things like that, which is exactly. nice to see her in a supporting role. That's how uh, ensemble shows work is yeah. that this week you're the star. Yes. You know? Yeah. Absolutely right. But yeah. So did we all enjoy it? I enjoyed it. Yeah, I loved it. it. It was really corny, but when Agamus was confessing basically his affections for her, he said, I didn't want to subjugate a planet again. I've already done that. <laughs> it was just an excuse so I could spend more time. And they played this really goofy, corny, romantic music. And it was just, it was so stupid. I could not laugh at it. I, right. I just loved everything about that. It was just yeah. great. Yeah. Um, Another classic line is when they when the badgie remember when 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 they remember you thought he had done a Kirk on Badgie and it talked Badgie down from the futility evil. And then Badgie goes, I know you I know getting revenge is pointless, but it feels really effing good. And he's <laughs> like, oh shoot, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Matt says every mariner line tonight was pure gold. Yeah. And Elaine says that she loved watching Tindy play in the sand and didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. And we got a little note about Orion that their beaches are all little pointy rocks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not that's seen right. This one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Must be volcanic rock or something like that. Yeah. Well, we've only got two episodes left of the season now. No, wow. three. This was episode seven. Seven. Eight, well, you have three left. Oh, good. Yeah. But, but this, this is as far as we've gotten in the season where we've known anything about what's coming right. up because they released episode titles, which gave away some things because you have Badgie's name in this one. And mm-hmm. uh, there was a couple of other ones that sort of like told you like there was the, the Beta Z one kind right. of hinted toward that's what it was in the title when they released yeah. that first uh, seven titles. But now... Yeah. We are in unknown territory. We have no idea what the last three episodes are going to be about. Yeah, that's right. I'm excited about that. What if it's a big three-parter? Could be. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. Well, they would need to do something like that to, to tell this story and tell it well and somehow bring back all the races that they've evidently kidnapped from mm-hmm. the first seven. So, yeah, there's got to be a big story going on here. So right. I'm very excited about seeing where that's going to go. Yeah, and they've been killing it this year. This has been a Absolutely. really strong season. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, doing a, they're, they're doing a great job of just building on what they've already done and continuing to develop to develop things. Yeah, uh, which which is great. I mean, that's what you want. Like it, the show's as funny as it's ever been, and the characters are, are as good as they've ever been. But they're letting everything grow, which I think yeah. is just really nice. Yep. Right. And yeah, I feel like static. we've said that every season. Like yeah. after the first season, every year we say that, but mm-hmm. every year it's it's more and more true. Right. Because every season we get new growth from these characters and new understanding of who they are and their backstory and everything. And they just continue to build on everything that they've laid down before. Right. Mm-hmm. Smart, Agreed. smart show. <laughs> Yeah, and it just shows, thank goodness we're talking about Prodigy. Hopefully they get more. It just shows to go, it just goes to show what some of these new people can do with time. And mm-hmm. it's not static, it's growing. We've already talked about how Prodigy from gosh, from the first half to the second half of the first season just grew. Yeah. And it shows mm-hmm. what people who really know the material and are good can do with it. So I really hope everybody here gets time. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, so join us next week. We'll be talking about Lower Decks again, along with a, a discussion topic. We go live on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube and our Facebook. Or you can listen to us after the fact on our podcast channel if you like an audio podcast. Or on our YouTube channel if you like a video. You can see our smiling faces. All right, Alan, where can people find more of you? Well, on this here ESO network, I have another podcast called Modern Musicology. And we have a couple of really good shows coming up. We are going to be, we've got a couple of guests, one, a local guest. Uh, she's a good friend of mine named Vicki Hudson, and she is the lead singer of the local Rush tribute band called Spirit of Rush. And she has become a huge fan of this sort of goth horror band called Ghost. And mm -hmm. one of my co-hosts, Anthony, is also a big Ghost fan. So we're going to be doing an episode about Ghost and about like horror uh, bands for our Halloween show this year. And we have Gary Clark, who was the composer of the, the music in the new film, Flora and Son. This will be our second time having him on. He's from Scotland. He is a just a brilliant man and just absolutely sweet. And um, he his first one is one of our highest rated episodes ever. So I can't wait to have him back because he is he's just a dynamite character. Awesome. He's just amazing. And how about you, Keith? You can find me on X and Facebook, primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups. And yeah. Veronica and I, if you are in the Atlanta area, come see us this Saturday at the Center for Puppetry Arts at the Halloween Puck and Puppet Show. It's an 18 and up show uh, with good reason. <laughs> We're going to be making <laughs> sure of that. Right. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's uh, If you enjoy you know, watching adult puppetry, um, it's going to be wild. As a lot of great artists are going to be there. It's uh, you know, it's not like we're doing the whole show. Like everybody brings their own routine, and so it's just a night of just a variety show of these different great puppeteers and us doing these uh, fun puppet shows. So come see us at the Center of Puppetry Arts October the fourteenth. That's this coming Saturday. If you're watching with us live, and if not, check out feltnerdy.com, uh, which will take you to our Facebook page, and you can see what we what we we've got some big things coming up after the new year that we're working on. That's going to be uh, it's going to be big for us. So. Mm -hmm. We're not announcing it just yet, but but tune in and we'll you'll be able to follow along with what we're doing. Well, speaking of big things, though, am I right in remembering that this is your first time performing at Center for Puppetry Arts? Yes, it is. That's huge, dude. It is. I know. That's and we'll so be on the, exciting. And we'll be on the main stage and everything. That's so, so amazing. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. So you don't want to miss it. Come see us, and um, you can follow us on, on monkeying around our podcast about the monkeys, where we've got uh. Some fun episodes coming up. We're, we've got, our next one is sort of a roundup of Monkey's News and uh, talk about an episode and some other things. But then uh, after that, we're going to get into a couple of episodes that are celebrating the 55th anniversary of the movie and soundtrack of Head, which was the Monkey's film from 1968. So uh, that's going to be fun because several people on the podcast haven't even seen that movie before. So it's going to be some <laughs> Monkey's fans giving their first impression of the movie Head. And then we've got some people who are more familiar with the film as well. Um, all right. And who has a closing for us this week? No? Oh, Veronica? About that. I know. Then I'll say, <laughs> boop. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper.
This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.